Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Buck. I'm my coworker, Jordan Bianchi. We are writers for The Athletic, and the playoffs have finally arrived. And boy, this unexpected, <laughs> wild, and wacky season gets another twist. Uh, and we're here to talk about all of it, as well as uh, some F1 and IndyCar. Jordan is live at Darlington Raceway. It is approaching 1230 a.m. on the East Coast. I'm mountain time here, 1030 in uh, Colorado. I'm tired, Jordan. I, I, uh, I cannot take any responsibility for anything I'm about to say because I'm, I'm already like punch drunk. Uh, oh, this is great. I can, we can, might be able to coax you into like saying something. By the way, many people have said to me today, I love it when you like push Jeff's buttons and get him going. So this is even better. Now that you're tired, I might be able to really get you going tonight. Well, I'm just honored to be joined by the star of the new USA documentary series, Race for the Championship. I saw an up close of your face, way closer than I've Oof. actually ever seen you in person Oof. on my HD TV. And I, I was like, whoa, this is a little much for me. This is a little much here. Yeah, no one wants to see me that up close. There's nobody. I like the parts where they you were talking, but they weren't showing you. That's probably the best. Have you seen my best? <laughs> <laughs> Put a bag over my head. I need much better. Anyway, uh, so listen. Uh, <clears throat> I think you know. Before we jump into all this, the theme of this, you know, this, this entire season has been nobody knows anything. We really don't know what we're talking about. And I would have, I mean, yes. Okay. Sure. It's a possibility that Eric Jones would have won this race. We all said, you know, he's, Hey, he's good at Darlington. We even put in our preview on the athletic case. Hey, he's pretty good there, but like to actually win the Southern 500, uh, to go out there and, uh, win the playoff opener, something that had never been done before by a non-playoff driver, uh, in terms of the opener, that's a Kelly Crandall stat that I saw on Twitter, uh, to become the 17th different winner in 27 races, uh, a record, uh, according to the Joseph Srigley stats, I think the the only other time was like 1961 that this happened. Um, I'm sorry, I just didn't see any of this coming, and I'm not going to pretend that I did. So, Jordan, uh, <laughs> did you have any hint that when you'd be covering this race tonight, that Eric Jones would be the race winner? I mean, I thought he was a good long shot. But long shots don't win the Southern 500. Like you don't see upsets at this racetrack. You don't. I mean, this is a this is a track that rewards the best drivers and the best teams. And you have to go back to what 2011 with Regan Smith and Furniture Row. Like that's probably the last time an upset happened here, and that was on like freshly new pavement and you know a lot of weird circumstances where tire wear was minimal that night. This was this was a prize and. It's wild to think about because we've seen kind of this out of Jones a little bit this year where they've had a lot of speed. And you're like, man, you know, this this team is kind of right there. And they're like kind of bumping up against that breakthrough point, And it hasn't happened. And I didn't think this was going to be it. Now, if you said maybe Kansas next week, that makes a lot more sense. But here it's crazy. And there was a whole lot of stuff that had to happen for the 43 team to get victory lane. They certainly deserved it. And Jones drove a great race. But, bam. 18, the 19, I mean, the nine, the five. I mean, just you run down the list of people that had problems tonight and opened the door for this to happen. And, and kudos to 43 for not making mistakes. And they, they got it done on a night when so many didn't. Yeah, I mean, I think if you 
if you could go back to Fontana, which was the first real race of the season, the first real race with this new car, you know, you'd say, you know, they, he, they ran really well there. He had a shot at the win. And you could say, oh, I could see where he could win a race this year. Sure. But then as the season's gone along uh, and they didn't win and they, they weren't as much of a factor. And I think other teams sort of stepped up. You're like, ah, okay. I mean, they, they have speed at times, but like, I don't know about race winning speed necessarily. Well, they couldn't put together full races though. I mean, like they would have moments where they would run really well in the early parts of the races and then whatever would happen and then they'd fade. And especially early in the year that happened a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget, I mean, they were leading coming to the checkered flag at Talladega and Eric got passed. I mean, they were fast, you know, some other times this year and it's just whatever reason it, it, they just have had a really hard time putting together full races. And it's unfortunate because I, I think they're really a good team. They just, this is a new team. This is really kind of, if you look at it, this is GMS buying Petty and this bringing them into their shop. This is, this isn't like a, a, a team that's been together for a while and they just got a new name and they're kind of putting some new paint on the walls. This really in, in all respects is a brand new organization from the bottom up. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially GMS, racing's truck team and they said okay let's add a cup team and we'll buy petty to get the charters and all that stuff that and we'll have the petty name and all you know the 43 car and all those things but it's like you said it's it was starting over essentially so um you know i i, I think that's you know and, and they still said i mean even in the post-race press conference tonight they're still talking about how they're they're hi- actively hiring people and all that all that kind of stuff so um, it's, it's, you know, the last couple of years, it's definitely been a process, uh, to get that, this team going and, and, you know, but you can tell though, that, that what they've signed up for, I mean, it, it's a building project and, and it's going in the right direction. I mean, Eric Jones, you know, we've on this podcast, I mean, numerous, numerous times when it wasn't looking good for Eric Jones, we kept saying, Hey, we, we really are both really high on Eric Jones. Um, like we really think that this guy, you know, we, we believe in this guy's talent. He deserves to be at a bigger team. And even now you could say, well, shouldn't he be racing for a bigger team? But as you noted, I mean, Petty GMS has, has had times this year where they look decent. And, you know, I think it's probably rewarding for him to uh, help actually, you know, you hear all the time, somebody goes to sort of like a smaller team and say, oh, we'll build it up. And then it doesn't really happen, right? Like they're just kind of medium, then they leave. Um, but like this, I mean, with Maury Gallagher's money and the, the, you know, devotion they have to racing and to, to doing this the right way. Um, I could see them actually, you know, really growing this into something good. And he's obviously willing to stay there and, and help that. So, uh, all positives there, uh, for the now two time Southern 500 winner, which is crazy to think about. He's got more Southern 500 victories than Kyle Bush and Martin Drex Jr. Who each have one apiece. Well, and think about, you know, there's been some great drivers that never won the Southern 500 period. Sure. And, and, and then you think too, I mean, those are two, it's two crown jewel races. So even if somebody has won a one crown jewel or something, I mean, two crown jewels, I mean that, you know, that's very, you can't just back into that, especially something like, I mean, maybe you could at, at a restrictor plate race or something, but, um, you know, not, not the Southern 500. I mean, e- even with the misfortune that the playoff guys had, you know, Jones was still in position. He still had to be there. You know, he definitely got a break with some uh, unlucky things happening to the other contenders. But dang, I mean, kudos to him. And and I, I, how sure were you when Denny Hamlin lined up behind him in that last run there that Hamlin was going to win? Because I thought, well, it's a nice story for Jones, but he's not going to be able to hold off Denny Hamlin uh, for 20 laps in the Southern 500 at a playoff race where Hamlin has won 
four times and you know he's a Darlington master and he's you know he's he's gonna beat a, a petty GMS car sorry and no. yeah I, I thought Denny was gonna pass him and it looked like and then Jones got a little bit of a, a gap there and then Denny closed it quickly and got to the bumper especially in the last two laps and it looked like man Denny's just gonna blow by him. I, I'm curious if this was like a regular season race or if the stakes were different where Denny didn't have so much to lose how he maybe would have raced him differently. But Denny's a clean driver, so maybe he wouldn't have. But you kind of wonder, like, we, we saw it in the Xfinity race, like guys just kind of throwing into the corners and, you you, you know, you make contact and you, you bang off each other and you see what happens. But never happened with Denny. And I, and I think that's a smart move in the sense that in a night when so many guys had problems, you can go here and put together a race and finish second and leave here, you know, feeling good about yourself and putting yourself in a spot where you can move on. That, that ultimately – yeah, you want to win the race, but you, you've got to leave here pretty feeling pretty good. I was very curious about that. Um, you know, what I wonder what was going through Hamlin's head in, in terms of all the things that play there. Because to me, especially his comment afterwards where, you know, TV had asked him, you know, is there anything else you could have done there? And he said, not without contact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wonder if, if it really is a big picture thing in that situation. Because like you said, yes, he could go underneath Jones probably and try to door him into the wall and, and get by him and aggressively make contact and, and try to do something. But is that, and, and that would lock him into the next round. Sure. Mm-hmm. But is that opening yourself up to some sort of retaliation later on, uh, or, or problems that you're going to have later on in the playoffs? Is that going to screw your playoffs essentially? Um, you know, by some, by making somebody mad, uh, no, I don't know that Eric Jones, Eric Jones probably would have understood in a way, you know, like, Hey, sure. it's a playoff guy. But and I don't know I that would've... he would have taken revenge on his former teammate like that. But I think it's a smart play by Denny to just be like, yes, this is not, it's not worth just going completely, you know, all out, uh, move here to just, to just rough somebody up for this win. Or you could say that if I try to make that move and it doesn't work, I end up in the wall with a wrecked race car with one lap to go, which means I'm going to plummet down the finishing order. And all of a sudden the points, you know, the the good result that I'm going to leave here with is not so good anymore. And that big gap that I'm going to have over all of those guys who had problems tonight is going to shrink. And in the big picture, you're racing for a championship and, and finishing second a night like this, that's a win. I think too. I mean, you, you obviously, if you're Hamlin, you've seen what happened to your, your teammates, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that, uh, Elliot went out, you know, that Harvick went out. Um, you know, uh, other playoff drivers had, had rough nights and, and you, and you think to yourself, you know what? P2 get out of here in pretty good points position. Um, you know, I'm going to be okay. He knows to, you know, the, the whole survive and advance thing. It, all it is. You know, if he can point his way in, it's not another playoff driver winning either. So it's nope. not like somebody took us a, a spot tonight for the next round. So I think there's a lot of things at play there where you can just go. And also just in general, how bad would it have looked fan perspective wise? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's probably something, not something that plays into I was your gonna mind. Say, this, you were talking about the guy who like crashed Chase Elliott at Martinsville. So I, I don't know if that's going <laughs> to. Well, but what I'm saying is like that, that would have actually been like, Let's say he goes and roughs up the 43 car at Darlington, I don't, yeah. you know, just like destroys him to win the Southern 500. Oh my gosh. He would have been like an eternal villain. He's already like, bad. He's, he's always booing. He, he, that, that, that ship has already been burned. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, you're, he's forever going to be that guy. I mean, there's no, there's no coming back from the Chase Elliott thing. 
Yeah. Well, you're probably right. And then, and then the Bowman thing last year too. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, well, and just in general, people don't like when he, what he has to say about it, about most yeah, he's Although this year, I think, I think people have respected him more like, cause he's been outspoken, uh, about, you know, issues going on in NASCAR as a team owner and things like that. People kind of like that, but for the most part, they're like, Oh, Denny, you know, be quiet kind of thing. But I, it's, it, he's the classic case of, we want drivers to speak their minds. And then not he says interesting things and then they say, you know, <laughs> be quiet. We don't want to hear from you. Uh, you know, even though he's like the most interesting guy in terms of media quotes these days, but uh, Kevin Harvick would like a word. Kevin Harvick. Yes, yeah, sure. Sure. So, so um, Jeff, are you saying NASCAR fans are fickle? <laughs> um, so, you know, listen, I, 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 it's, it's an interesting thought exercise in terms of like what, what would have happened at had Jones, you know, say he had won Talladega or he had won. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, it's tough to project that. I think a, a more interesting Thing would have been had Truex won this race and cool. everybody goes, Oh, Truex, you know, man, that now that's really a missed opportunity. Jones didn't seem like he was dwelling too much on the playoffs, right? Like, no. you know, he, he was just happy to win the Southern 500. He wasn't like, ah, I'm not going to enjoy this. Cause I wish we were in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, he's racing for different things. I mean, I mean, Truex is, I, I think it's fair to say like a legit title contender. And if he was in this playoff, I think he was going to be a factor. And he was in a spot tonight where, I was having flashbacks to Tony Stewart in 2006 when you remember that playoff where Tony didn't qualify that year. And then he goes out and rolls off, uh, you know, quite a few victories in the playoffs and just basically kind of stole the show in some, to some capacity. And that, that's what I was thinking with Truex leading. And then he has the, the water pump failure, which led to the overheating. And it was just like, that's basically Martin Truex junior season in a nutshell, a lot of speed, a lot of leading laps, and then just goes sour. I mean, that was just sort of unbelievable, wasn't it? I mean, to to me, for for whatever reason, I kind of had a feeling all day that Truex was going to win this, and the narrative was going to be, you know, Truex steals the show at Darlington after not making the playoffs, and he's so good at Darlington, and, you know, he finally breaks through, and just a week too late, all that kind of stuff. Um, and when he got the, you know, he got in the lead, and then he lost it on pit road, but when he got it, you know, for that, that next time there, I was like, all right, this is, uh, he's, he's going to roll away with us now. I think, I think this is over. And to see just suddenly it all just go away with a mechanical failure. Uh, that was really his, stunning. And, and you felt terrible. I don't know if you, you got his to see interview his TV was incredible. interview, but yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, I was gonna say his interview on NBC sports was just like, you don't often hear the emotion in Martin's voice. You could hear the emotion. I mean, like, I, I don't, was he, it almost sounded like he was like trembling almost or something. You know what I mean? Like he was kind of getting like choked up. I mean, yeah. yeah thank was, you. Choked up. Yeah, yeah. That was what it was. Like, you don't see that. And it was like in a year where it's just been like one stomach punch after another. And again, this is the guy who finished top five in the regular season points and any other year would have been in the playoffs. And we were talking about like, he's going to be a factor. And then it just, it's it just, it's that, it's just that kind of year. Some I years. mean, it's just, you feel, you just feel terrible for him. I mean, you, you just, how, how can you not? Right. I mean, it's just, yeah. uh, everything just seems to go against him. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just kind of weird. Um, they've, they've had so many races they could have won this year. And we talked about it last week as well, but so many disappointments. I mean, just one after another, uh, it's just, 
I don't know. The crazy thing is, you know, he, he's racing for 17th now. Eric Jones is 18th. Uh, those are the two guys who are, you know, the next highest in, in the playoffs and, and can't finish any higher than where they are. But Truex has like almost a 200 point lead over Eric Jones for 17th, even after Jones won tonight. I mean, that's how much of a strong season Truex had had. Um, I mean, he could take races off and, and still not get past for 17th. It's just, yeah, it's just one of those crazy years. I mean, again, 17 different winners now. Uh, in the first 27 races, just stunning. And you, you figured Truex still does have a chance to win one of these next nine. Blaney I'll still has Bubba. A, Bubba. Bubba, absolutely. Bubba could win at Kansas. He, Blaney, yeah. He, he was going to have a strong run at Kansas. Um, he did have a strong run at Kansas uh, in the spring, his, uh, one of the pit crew problems, and his teammate Kurt Busch dominated and won that race. So Bubba could go there in that car, well, it's at least the card number, and, uh, don't, you know, don't get started about that. <laughs> you know, he, I mean, he could have a strong, so, I mean, yes, there, there's multiple guys that could still win like legitimately, uh, in this crazy season. And, um, but anyway, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about some of the playoff guys. I told you before we we're the podcast that we would start by talking about playoff guys. And, I, and then I, yeah, I, we do this every week. We come up with a plan and then you like from the get go, you like veer off and like, this, we roll with it, baby. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like Ferrari strategy. Um, I wasn't going to make a joke from this. <laughs> so, <laughs> we are on plan. What plan are we on now? Plan D. D? We're, we've been to D? plan D. D. Yes. Question? <laughs> Question? <laughs> so so <laughs> I'm going to lose it here before we even get in to the playoff, guys. So listen, the, the playoff drama, I, I opened this file because I thought I'm going to so much stuff happens in the playoffs. I'm going to keep a running word document of all the things that happened to the playoff drivers in various races. And I thought, Oh, you know, I'll probably have like one or two, uh, from the Starlington race of like big sort of moments. Wait, wait a second. You thought there'd only be one or two tonight. Did you not remember what happened last year? I did, but here's the thing. I honestly thought that I, I was thinking that this was going to be one of those races where like pretty much nine of the top 10 cars are, playoff guys and you know maybe one guy would you know blow a tire get in a wreck or something i mean you know maybe to have another guy have a kind of a bad night but i i thought i thought it was gonna be like oh those guys are gonna be in trouble because you know 13 guys would finish in the top 15 or, or whatever um not the case not the case at all obviously no. wrong again um so anyway my word document here is <laughs> Uh, almost a lot. full page filled up already. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't even know where to start. Um, I guess you could probably start with the first person that really sort of made a mistake and that would be Chase Elliott. Ooh, such a rare, mistake. odd, weird, like unforced error. Just like there was nothing, you had no one around him really like just nailed the coming wall. Toward, yeah. Like just lost it like weird. And you don't see Elliot make a mistake like that. And it was just like, what the heck? Like, did something break? Like, no, nothing broke. He just spun. And Chase Briscoe, another playoff guy, happened to be that, you know, come into that area and then hit him. And that damages Chase's car as well. So, double whammy for the Chases and uh, the regular season points leader. Man, good for him having that gap, the, the, all those bonus points, because he's going to need them potentially. Yeah. No, I mean, he still is uh, able to be. Uh, plus 14 over the cut line in ninth and points 
Of course, he was first in points with a nice cushion that is now gone, but you know, he's, he's great at Bristol. He'll be fine at Kansas. You would think now that said, only one thing needs to go wrong. I mean, you would have thought he'd be great at Darlington too. So, um, only one thing needs to go wrong now and he's suddenly in trouble, but, um, it just, just very surprising because it, it feels like Elliot is one of these people who's really embraced this format. He he's talked about how much he enjoys this time of year. He enjoys the pressure. Uh, he loves trying to navigate the rounds and he, he raises his game. So to just have that happen, it was just so surprising. And I don't know, you just, you just didn't see it coming. I, I mean, that's just not something that you could have predicted to me. I, I just, I would not have said, oh yeah, yeah, Chase Elliott, you know, he, he really might make a, a a mistake just on his own in this race. I mean, Alex Bowman did last year. Uh, wasn't it last year? Yeah. And he, and Alex, yeah. And he took out William Byron. He took out Byron. Yeah. Too. And you know, that, that Bush kind of, crashed out in this race. That kind of thing happens, but not from Chase Elliott, but it did. No, I mean, it did tonight. How do you feel and, about his uh, chances moving forward? Are you still optimistic? Uh, yeah. I mean, Kansas is a good track for them. Hendricks got their intermediate program in a good spot. He's really good at Bristol as well. The, the only thing that concerning is, is you just don't want to leave points on the table. And in this round, and it's a little, you know, obviously it's easier to advance out of this round than other rounds because of the number of drivers. But any when you've got Bristol, right, coming up, that's a little worrisome because you, you just don't want to be in that spot going into Bristol. And that that to me is is a spot where you can go unless you go and win Kansas, you are still vulnerable at Bristol because if you have two bad races in this round, it doesn't matter who you are, you're likely going home. Yeah, and and he could he could win Bristol though, or he could sure. win a Kansas. Sorry, next yeah. week and 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 take that off the table. But Good point. You know the, the thing is too, um, with this format, this could all be just a distant memory if if he just advances through. Uh, he, he's not even gonna have to do anything spectacular cause he's, he's not below the cut line. He's still in decent shape, you know, uh, ahead of several other guys. Um, he just kind of needs to stay out of trouble. And then all of a sudden everything resets the next round. He's got his big points lead back. All the playoff points return to him and it's like yeah. nothing ever happened. So yeah, just you've used your mulligan though. That's right, it. Right. You won this round. You use it. Yeah. That's, that's a scary thing. So, um, you know, Kyle Larson looked like he was going to be in equally big trouble. Because lap 79, um, early in the race, really, he has this weird potential engine issue. You know, he's, they're saying thumb through the, the various pages and see if you have yeah. any error Look codes. Look for the code. And, yeah. <laughs> like hit control, alt, delete. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're like, you know, he's like, I don't see anything on page three. And, like, you know. That gave me Ferrari flashbacks, actually. Like. <laughs> so, obviously you know, whatever happened though, ends up then getting resolved with no really, no real explanation. They kept saying yeah, it to him after. Button. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he's they're <laughs> like, well, is it still, is it still making the weird sound? No, it's fine now. You know, but by the time he got on the track, he was down three laps. Now he ends up getting all of his laps back. And by the time yeah. the caution comes out for stage two, um, he's gets the free pass to go back on the lead lap. One thing that did help him, interestingly enough, was he had just taken the wave around and then spun, brought out the caution, and that preserved his. Now, I'm not saying he did that on purpose because I don't think that would have been a very, you know, good move at that point in the race. And there was other cars around, so I don't think he was like, oh, if I spin here, then, you know, at least I don't think so. Maybe, maybe some people out there do, but um, whatever. He got back on the lead lap, and um, I guess I missed this at the end, but 
I guess he was saying he was going to have a better finish than he did, except they had to pit for a loose wheel, a potential loose wheel late. Mm-hmm. Um, now, ultimately, there's only 18 cars on the lead lap, so he was able to come back up to 12th. But, I mean, to come away with uh, a 12th place performance when you were three laps down early in the race at Darlington, um, you know, if this was the old 10 race format, that would be like a, a championship type effort. Now he just sort of preserved himself because he, he actually was below the cut line at times, uh, during this race. And now he's, he's fine. I mean, relatively. So. Yeah. Could have been a bad night and it, that he was able to just kind of make do and, and not lose too much ground. This is a win in, in a lot of respects. And, it could have been this could have been a thing where Hendrick left here with two of their guys in, in a hole and Larson was able to preserve. And I said this before and I'll say it again. The one thing that this team doesn't get enough credit for is their grittiness. Like people look at them, they win races and they lead laps, and you're like, oh, they're just kind of blowing everybody out of the water. Like, no, like they fight. They are really a gritty team. And they've gotten down many, many times um and over the last year or a half, two years. And they have figured out how to get out of the hole many times, whether it was the Roval last year. Um, whatever it was, Charlotte earlier this year, there's just been a lot of examples of where these guys, they, they find a way uh, many, many times. And Cliff Daniels, to me, leads his team a lot like Chad Canals. And the trait that that Canals team had was resiliency and grittiness. And that's what the five team has. Yeah, no, I mean, um, Cliff Daniels deserves a ton of credit for staying calm in all these situations and, and coming up with a plan and executing. Um, Larson is three points ahead of Chase Elliott in uh, seventh place in the standings, two points ahead of Ross Chastain. Um, and more importantly, he is, I think, 17 up on the cut line. So, again, I mean, geez, really could have been really, really bad for Hendrick, uh, as you as you noted there. So, um, let's see, another driver. Uh, well, we can talk about Kevin Harvick, I guess. Ooh. So, Harvick, I mean... They had a bad pit stop on their first stop of the day, the competition caution. He gets dropped to 34th place. Rallies back to the top 10. Mm-hmm. Has another bad stop. I guess this one, that one was his fault. I, I heard from people on Twitter who were scanning him. I, I was I, I was confused what happened because he dropped 17th after he just got in the top 10. They said he overshot his stall or something or he, he got too deep in the stall, didn't see his box well. Anyway, he gets back into the top 10 and... I still don't, I'm not exactly sure how that car caught on fire, but, uh, it did. And, uh, he obviously was not very happy or impressed with the next gen in that situation at all. Very strong comments. Uh, NASCAR took quite a while to throw the caution. That was odd. It uh, did. It seemed a little like the car's on fire, right? And it's coming to a stop and it stops. It, it felt it was like-, like getting out of the car as the, Cars were yeah, still going like, around under that, green. That felt a little. That felt a little slow. And then because of that, I think it took a while for the safety truck to get there. But I mean, the caution wasn't called for a while. Um, and then even when they got there, they were kind of slow to put out the fire. So the, the car just like burned to a crisp, really. And um, yeah, I mean, he was. There was nothing he was going to. You know, you got to get out if you're him at that point. You can't just ride it out. So really unfortunate for him because I mean. Think about if you're that team, right? You go from, okay, you know, looks like we're going to miss the playoffs. Um, then you win back-to-back races. Boom. We've got this momentum. People are saying, kind of, Harvick, most dangerous team. Potential. Yeah, yes. exactly. 
you know, uh, they can make a final four run here. Paul, all of a sudden your, your season has turned around. You are like, Hey, we're, we've, we've, we can do this thing. We know how to manage the playoffs. One race in your car randomly burns up from nothing that you did. And he is last in the playoff standings. He's below everybody below Austin Dillon, Chase Briscoe. Um, now, fortunately, so many people had problems that he's only 13 points below the cut line. Oh, he's I think. 11. Oh, 11? I thought he was 11. I may okay. be wrong. Yeah. But he's somewhere in there. He's not a lot. He's not buried by any means. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh... You're right. 13, by the way. Oh, 13. Okay. Um, it's not, you know, that's easily doable. And, you know, many other people are going to have problems over the next few weeks. And he's, uh, again, somebody that's good at, at both the next tracks coming up, you would think. So he may be fine, but just got to be just so disappointing. Just like, what the hell, you know? Based off of Twitter and what his crew chief tweeted, yeah. I think that's the common sentence right now. It's like, our car just, what happened to our car? We were running well. We were positioning ourselves in a, in a well, and then our car decided to turn into a bonfire, and now we're roasting marshmallows off of it. Like, what, like, like what, what's going on here? Yeah, so um, Rodney Childers actually, just since we've started this podcast, has been tweeting uh, even more, because we, we saw the oh, one, uh, one tweet he made. Um, he's, he's fired up. He's fired up. Uh, you see, I mean, justifiably so. Right. So first of all, he he had said complete BS was going to be a great night. Uh, sat on that one for a while. And then somebody says, um, weren't there cars that caught fire like yours in the spring Darlington race? And he said, I swear it's people. It's like people don't watch every week or they only pay attention to who wins that week. Someone catches on fire every week in the same pot spot on the same side of the car. He said, let's put holes in the nose. It will pick up every piece of rubber off the track. Let's mandate 75% open grill area going to the rocker boxes. Let's have a fan blowing air through that hose to make sure the rubber reaches the headers. Then once the rubber stacks up and catches fire, um, then we will see the, we'll have the equivalent of a leaf blower blowing oxygen onto the fire and see how fast it gets a lot bigger. So, um, <clears throat> yes, he, uh, feels like he knows exactly what's causing these fires. Um, the rubber buildup getting in the car and being blown further in the car by the air openings. Uh, and then the rubber builds up and catches fire. And it's not a fluke thing because it's happened to multiple people multiple times. Now people have said, well, multiple it's the Fords, Fords, by the way, Fords, too. right. Right. Yeah. So do you think that it's a coincidence? It's a, it's a Fords or it's something with their nose or something, their grill opening I, that it's somehow I, I'm not technical enough to know. So, yeah, I, I don't feel, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't. And I don't, it's been I, Chris Busher, Chase Briscoe, Logano, Joey Logano, uh, the 15 tonight, twice the Rick Ware car caught on fire twice tonight. I'm sorry. Once tonight on pit road. Um, I, I, I don't that know. Was Yaley. I mean, was that Yaley tonight? Yes. I believe it was Yaley. Uh, yes. I, I don't know. I mean, they're all Ford. So, I mean, you, you get enough of them in a row, you start to draw a connection. That, that I mean, these cars are they, this part of the selling point. The next gen car was like brand identity and each car is going to have a different design. And you start to wonder if this is the case. I'm curious. And again, I don't know. This is, we're, you know, get, this is just recently after the race, you know, we, I, I haven't really asked, but when you see cars go up in flames, like Harvick, you know, the old car, uh, they, you know, they had the extinguisher and it would 
a lot of times douse that kind of stuff. I'm sure this car has that. I'm sure but, certainly it does, but it doesn't seem to be having the same effect or, or maybe it's a different part of the car and it can't. Yeah. See, and again, I, I'm going to get myself in trouble because I, and I am not a technical person to my understanding. It's like, it's not the, the fire extinguishers for the cockpit. Right though. Like, and I think these car, the fires are seeming to come underneath, Under, like, yeah, or under, yeah. the, underneath or something like that. And again, I don't, I'm probably speaking out of turn here, but that that's my understanding. Interesting. Well, clearly it's not something that's going away. And, you know, I think David Reagan, I don't know ex exactly what his exact tweet was tonight, but he said something like, you know, if it was the, if, if the teams were still building their own cars, this would be a fairly easy fix for them to find a solution. But when you want to make a fix now, it's not this, that you just, it's not that you can't just fix something yourself, but you also have to get permission to go through several layers and sort of red tape essentially, because NASCAR has to make the fix for all the cars, all the manufactured parts and all those things. So when something pops up, it's not something, yeah, let's just go to the shop and make sure that doesn't happen again. It's, Hey, we might be able to fix this next year. I don't know. You know, and that's part of the bigger issue that's kind of going on right now. And you've heard a lot of drivers talk about this and really, over the last couple of weeks and Harvick has been very vocal about this. And I think he's just kind of reached his breaking point, which is it's, there's, they feel drivers feel like there's no action and they're not being listened to. And that because there are now more layers and because if there's a part that isn't working the way it needs to, you can't go just fix that part because you have to go through NASCAR and then you got to go through the parts supplier. And then if you do it yourself, by the way, and you don't get approval, you get dinged you know, penalty wise. And there's a lot of frustration right now. And, and Kevin, Kevin was very vocal about this on Thursday during playoff media day. Like, like he, he says that NASCAR really isn't receptive to this. Like he has brought these things to their attention and it's just basically fallen on deaf ears and NASCAR will tell you differently, but that this is what Kevin says. And he is, and he's frustrated. And other drivers have said, Hey, we know, you know, Denny, Denny Hamlin, who's got a really good perspective as both a team owner and driver said, yeah, like we, it's not easy to do. And I thought Joy Logano had a really good point too, which was like, this isn't cheap. Like it's going to cost money to fix this. And it's just all part of this. And it's part of this bigger issue of, of this car coming in and working the kinks out. It's, it's not as easy as it used to be just to make a change and teams are no longer up. It's no longer up to the teams to do what they want to do with the cars and, you know, structurally. Yeah. I mean, between the fires, the hard hits, um, you know, things like, uh, you know, the early in the season with the cars getting stranded, you know, for flat tires and things like that. Um, you know, there have been a lot of sort of downsides with the car, but at the same time, you know, the season that we've seen would not be possible without the new car, you know, like Eric Jones for petty GMS racing was likely not going to win the Southern 500 tonight. If they had the old car that, they were still building themselves. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's, you know, it, it's just all so I'm not saying all of it, but so many of the interesting, fun, exciting moments we've seen this year have been a product of the new car, but then also, you know, there is the safety aspect and the, the reliability aspect of it that we're still, you know, obviously a work in progress. So it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. Uh, like it, next year at this time, are we still going to be talking about, you know, sort of the, the mechanical gremlins of the car, the safety aspect of it? I hope not. I hope they are, they are able to make changes, but it's clearly something that is 
very frustrating to the drivers and the teams at this point and is only going to keep building the longer it goes on without changes. It's going to be a fascinating offseason for this car, not only in terms of how do you fix the the gremlins that are appearing and resolve the safety issues that seem to be you know cropping up. Also, it's going to be interesting to see as teams get their hands on this and actually have a full offseason to work on this car, which is not something they had last year because they were still developing this car, de- developing this car is now that they have this car in shop, can they find little areas where they can play in and how they, you know, the nuances of this car. And that will extend the competitive gulf between the big teams and the smaller teams that has been shrunk. So uh, another mechanical issue tonight was um, Ross Chastain. Uh, he was having a great race. He really was. It, yeah. um, it looked like he had a ton of speed and, uh, it was like, Oh, actually I was thinking for a while. Oh, maybe this could be a Ross Justine win. Like that would be a story too. Like he shakes off all the people talking about how we're going to take revenge and wreck him. And he goes out and wins seven, 500 and or something. This was big. This was a big race. I, I, to me personally, this race and next week were two giant races for Ross. Like you needed to win one of these two races or you needed to have two great races where your points gap between you and the cutoff was so great going into Bristol, it really didn't matter. Because if you're Ross Chastain, you cannot go into Bristol even being close to the elimination line because, frankly, that is a risk that you cannot take because there's a good chance that someone's going to put a bumper to you and you're going to be one of the four out at Bristol. This was a huge missed opportunity for that team. It's been um, – well, so let's first talk about what happened. So um, he, he feels like – you know, maybe I have a loose wheel. It's green flag pit stops, lap 160. So he comes back down, put new wheels on, goes back, new tires on, they go back out, still feels like something's broken. Uh, it's it's not right. So they say, okay, you know what? Come down, bring it to us. Well, let's look what's going on. The left rear drive pin, drive pins, which are the pins that go in the little holes, you know, that we've talked about that Keselowski got in trouble for at uh, Daytona for making bigger and all that stuff. Um, I guess they were jammed up with something. There was some sort of debris in them or something. They blew them out and he was able to return to the track four laps down, um, ends up, you know, recovering to only finish one lap down, which is a nice comeback in, in 20th. It was going to be a lot worse for him. Um, but you know, that's a ruined night compared to what it was. And, you know, it continues just this sort of stunning streak because he was, absolutely on a roll in the early part of the summer. Um, I mean, from gateway in June until Loudon July, uh, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, six finishes of eighth or better in a row. Since that Loudon race in July, starting with the Pocono race, which, you know, the famous Hamlin Chastain incident where he ends up putting himself in the wall for Hamlin's payback or whatever. Right. When, when Hamlin put him in that position, he ended up crashing there at Pocono Um, he has not finished in the top 15. So now he's gone one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight races without a top 15 finish. I mean, this is a guy we were talking about championship contender, um, up until that point in the summer. And all of a sudden, I mean, he still has the speed though, Yeah, but they're they're not getting finishes at all. Like at all. No. And that's a big thing. I mean, they are running well. They are leading laps they're putting themselves in position i mean he, he had a great car at pocono he had a, he was in he was running top five at indianapolis michigan he was in the mix there 
I mean, he led 80 he, laps at Richmond and won the first stage, went wire to wire in stage one. Um, I think the only race they were off, if I'm not mistaken, was Watkins Glen. But they've done, they, they, they go out and they're, they're like, oh, yeah, they look good. And they just aren't finishing, though. And they're throwing race wins away. They're throwing points away. These things come back to bite you. And when you, it's a mistake prone team and it's, it's at some point it's going to, it's going to catch up to you. And it feels like it's getting to that point with this team. Now that said, he is still eighth in points. So in an okay position, um, you know, he's, he's one point ahead of chase Elliott there. And let's see from the cutoff. He's plus 15, I think. Yeah. Plus 15. So, you know, again, you don't have to do anything spectacular, but I would Bristol, disagree. like you said, is definitely a word. Yeah. I, I agree with you there because that would be a great revenge race for everybody who's mad at him. Um, they just take turns just spinning them all night. It, like, it would not it would not surprise me if he made a Final Four run, and it also would not surprise me if he was a first-round elimination. I can see that much variation at this point because, again, they have the speed, but he's made so many enemies, and they're not getting the finishes. It's... It's tough to tell which way it's it's going with him. You could I I I'm with you. I could see anything happening though. I could see him in the final four. I could see him being out in round one. I could see him being crashed at Martinsville deliberately because someone's pissed off at him for something that happened this summer. Right, right. Now let's uh let's talk about his teammate, Daniel Suarez. I mean, Oof. here's a guy who, you know, he fails inspection, what, three times? And he's so he's not allowed to qualify, he has to start last and not only that, That's but he true. has to make a pass-through penalty at the start of the race. So you're like, well, I know there's going to be a competition caution because it was rain, but you know, can he get in the free pass position at lap 25 and you know, do all that stuff? So he, he does his pass-through penalties, one lap down, rain comes, lap six, <laughs> immediately gets a free pass, back on the lead lap, um, gets up to fourth, but he speeds on pit road, Jordan. Oh no. And he didn't serve the penalty before the Harvick caution for the fire. Um, so then he ends up starting at the tail end of the field because of that. Um, and that he ends up being uh, 21st place after that, a lap down. Um, and he ends up finishing, he ends up finishing last car in the lead lap, 18th place, but he was fourth. I mean, he was going to have a really, really good night and, threw a lot of points away as a result of all that. He is the one on the cutoff line plus two points over Austin Sindrick in the final spot that would be in right now. Uh, a really big missed opportunity for that team. But that's the theme again for this team where again, another team that has had a lot of good runs this year, but not the finishes. And this is a perfect example. And by the way, He's also he and Christopher Bell had a little bit of a run in tonight, and it looks like Suarez has has it kind of made it known that Bell's got one coming to him. Yeah, that was interesting because I, I saw some of the reporters' videos afterwards uh, from the from the bullpen, and and they were saying, you know, Suarez is like, oh yeah, I'm going to get him back, I'm going to get him back. Um, it was all about Bell. Uh, I, I thought that Logano might have got a piece of that as well, but. Uh, maybe I have to go back and watch replay. That was the time it when Logano sort of pulled his way yeah. through. No, that was a great move, by the way, by Logano. Well, he used contact, and he doesn't like when people use contact on him at Darlington. But um, <laughs> are you are you saying that some drivers may do as I say, not as I do? Kind of mentality. That's what it felt like to me. But 
you know, I would never, I would be shocked that a driver would have that kind of. Somebody mindset. said, people said, on, cause I, I raised this point on Twitter, you know, he was so angry with Byron, uh, for putting him in the wall in a restart at the first Arlington race that he took a, a win away from Byron essentially, right. By punting him out of the way. Um, and then, so, you know, I said, well, he, he just, you know, rolled, you know, knocked a bell out of the way when he was making his pass or whatever. And uh, everybody's like, well, that, that's not the same as putting him in the wall, but he put his own teammate Blaney in the wall earlier in the race before that. So he's not afraid to make contact with people. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, I'm sorry. This is Joe Legano we're talking about. You're right. You realize this, right? I mean, this this he's he's got a lengthy history that shows he's not afraid to put the well, bumper. Well, that's fine, but then don't you know don't get mad at other people who do that. I, <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, yeah, William Byron actually for a, a little while, briefly he said I I think there's something going wrong with the engine. Yeah. And then we never heard anything about it again. Um. He ended up finishing eighth, but uh, he was up there. He was like the only non Gibbs car up there for a while. I thought he was yeah, going to take the lead under green. Yeah. Yep. Um, but he ends up, you know, he's, he's in good position though. Logano's the points leader. Byron is second. Hamlin is third. So all three of those guys are in really good shape. Um, Chase Briscoe, even before he got in the Elliott wreck, uh, I mean, he, he went to 33rd place on the opening run before the competition caution. Uh, he had already been lapped at the time when he collided with, um, Elliott. He ends up finishing four laps down and 27th. Um, just, he just didn't have it. I mean, even like I said, wreck aside, they just, that was no. not the performance they needed. No, I mean, this is, this is a team I had marked for first round elimination and nothing had happened. And I changed my opinion of that. Mm. I mean, you, you did say that he was not, I, I thought he was going to advance past this round. Um, primarily I thought, from partly because his Darlington strength. I mean, he here's a guy that in the Xfinity series beat Kyle Busch straight up, right? Um, and you know, you thought, wow, this guy really knows how to get around Darlington, and maybe this is a track where they can really shine. Um, again, though, they just didn't have it. He's uh, three points ahead of Harvick. He's in the second to last spot. Um, so the four out right now are Austin Cindric, Austin Dillon, Chase Briscoe, Kevin Harvick. Um, I had said that the first four out would be um, the two Austins, um, Suarez, and who else did I say? You, you remember? No, no, I can't. Okay, sorry. Oh, Bowman, Bowman. Bowman. Right. Uh, Bowman is 10th uh, in the points. Bowman had a nice run tonight. He finished 10th. Quiet night, no nice issues really. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, needed, they needed that bad. Go to Byron, too. So, um, the other driver, the other playoff driver that had big problems, uh, really talk about extremely unfortunate, just unbelievably. So was, uh, Kyle Busch. I mean, Truex goes out, Kyle Busch is the leader. Um, what 21 laps to go or something, 24 laps to go, I guess. And, uh, under caution, getting ready for the restart blows up game over. May have missed a shift. Well, that's what I saw Bob tweet that, but is that, is that factual? Like some people on the radio, Hamlin was Hamlin was one that said that Kyle missed a shift. And so that may have contributed. And the official, when when did he miss a shift under caution? Probably shifting under caution. Are you, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, The official reason for him being out was a valve train uh, failure per Toyota. Okay. It's interesting. I mean, I, 
I get that he could have missed a ship, but when, I guess, because I mean, I guess I, I don't know the dynamics. You come off a pit road. I mean, you're you come up to speed. It's that's I mean, true. That's five, true. I was just thinking he's running years, around but... under caution, you know? Yeah. Where... So, I mean, it feels like there's an avenue there to do it. I, I don't know, but yeah, that would be uh... pretty damning if that's a, a Kyle Busch mistake while leading and, and you miss a ship to blow up your, your own, you know, grenade your own motor. And wow. And that kind of year for Kyle, man. So he, you know, he was going to be in great position, obviously. Um, Could have been really great position with a win. <laughs> free ticket to the next round. And uh, instead, he is only plus eight on the cut line. Yeah. Oof, what a disaster. Man, yeah. what, what a, oh man. That, yeah, that I mean, I, you never, I, and I go back to what I said earlier, you never want to be in the spot with points and everything. I, I feel really comfortable about Kyle Busch, though, in this team, because they're going to mile and a half racetrack. Toyota has been very, very good on these type of tracks. And then you're going to Bristol, which is one of his, you know, obviously one of his best tracks. I, I like where this team is at. They are running well. You know, you don't want to see this, and then anything can happen, obviously. But I think they're going to be okay. Well, I mean, look, he led 155 laps tonight. Nobody else led more than 64 laps. So, um, you know, they, they have the speed at the right time, it seems like. And as you alluded to, I mean, Toyota in general. I mean, at one point, Toyota had even Ty Gibbs um, was in the top 10 10 at one point. I mean, he ends up finishing what 15th. God, another good run for 15th in the Southern 500 for Ty Gibbs with very little experience. He's going to be good in a cup car next year. What's that? He's going to be good in a cup car next year. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's clearly, uh, on his way to, to, uh, proving that he's very, very, very ready to do that already. Um, Bubba Wallace, who ends up in the 45 car, um, so that they can get the owner points for the owner points chase, for uh, Kurt Busch, uh, gets a top 10. Ninth place at Darlington. Very Good respectable for him evening. Tonight. Top mm-hmm. 10 most of the day, quiet, just knock. Bubba, by the way, for the last, I don't know, it was like six weeks or whatever it's been, it's just been really, really good. Consistently running in the top 10, finishing in the top 10. This this is impressive stuff. I mean, what a turnaround for him. Um, honestly, it, it kind of feels like it coincided with the pit crew change or sure. around that time. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he now has a, he now has a career high in top 10 finishes. And so like, get this right. His career high for most top tens, excuse me, most top tens in a season was five, um, for an entire season before this year. He, he now has seven, but What's interesting is just in the last, uh, since Loudon, so that July race, he has one, two, three, four, five top tens just since July. So again, that was his previous, uh, previously his total for the entire year. And now he's basically in, in a month and a half, essentially, um, or two months, I guess, uh, got that total. And, um, so yeah, cl- clearly he's, he's running much better, uh, more confident, and uh, I think that was the right call to put him in, don't you think, for the, for the uh, owners? Oh, yeah. You know, to Mates, get a guy with experience. 100%. For a lot of reasons. One, you get a veteran in that car to, to to help you get through this and navigate a little bit. And two, it gives him the experience. Like, it gives him a playoff uh, playoff experience without having, you know, without having – so next year, assuming he makes the playoffs, he's going he's gonna to know what it's like to go through this, what it's like to deal with eliminations, what it's like to manage – each race when you know what's at stake, it, it's a good thing for him. Good night for, uh, Tyler Reddick ends up finishing yeah. third. Um, 
Great maybe man. could have had a shot at it, but um, finds himself now fifth in the points. Um, Christopher Bell gets a top five. Joey Logano gets a top five. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, speaking of non-playoff guys too, just real quick, I mean, Michael McDowell, another top 10. Another good run. Sixth place run for him. Brad Keselowski, nice run. Gets top 10, seventh place. Needed that, yeah. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a tough year for him, and uh, to come here and to have a good run, it speaks well. Blaney was kind of quiet tonight, wasn't he? I mean, he was in the top 10. No, he was, I mean, quiet in the sense that he didn't really do anything, but he was running in top 10 all night. You know, was up, I think, as high as fifth at one point. Was, finished you know, 13th, though. I mean, yeah, he finished faded at the end. That was a little disappointing, and I'm not sure why that is, but he did have uh, a pretty decent night for the most part. And then I think the only other guy we haven't mentioned maybe is uh, Austin Dillon, who, um, you know, he's he is okay. I mean, it's he gets out of here without too much damage. He, nothing went terribly wrong. He finished 17th on the lead lap. Um, and, you know, he, he basically punt. I mean, he's now, uh, let's see, two points below the cut line. Uh, no, four points below the cut line. Four points below. So, that's, I mean, if you're Austin Dillon, you happily leave – yeah. Darlington saying, Hey, we're only four points out. I mean, that's, that's not, yeah. Bad. I mean, I, I, yes, but I look at it like a lot of guys had problems tonight. A lot of guys ahead of me in the point standings had problems tonight. And the best I could do was finish 17th. By the way, my teammate finished third and our car was so bad at the beginning of the race. We were, you know, we're, we're comparing it to, I don't know why <laughs> they didn't like their car. Right. I mean, and like, I don't know. I mean, 17th isn't going to get you very far in this playoff. And you can't throw if away. Everybody points. keeps having problems. It will. That's a big if, though, man. I'm just not right. I mean, this is Darlington. These things happen at Darlington. We've seen it year after year, and that's not going to probably be the case at Kansas. And who knows at Bristol? Like that. If that's your strategy, fine. If your strategy is, is we're just going to go out and try to do the best we can and hope everyone else has problems. Good for you. God bless you. But that ain't going to get you very far in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, last week at Daytona after the race, we were saying, you know, with three top fifteens be enough to get through now 17th is not 15th obviously but you can see that uh, guys are gonna have problems this is not gonna you know we're not gonna see now two clean races after we've seen one crazy one uh with both accidents reliability and all that stuff so i don't know i i, I think i'd you know just take what you can get and uh, I, I mean it, it to, you know that's the best they can do that's the best they can do but to me it comes down to again like why is the eight continually outrunning the three, like dramatically? Why is the eight running for wins? Why is the 43 continue out, continually outrunning the 42? I can tell you why that is, because Eric Jones is a hell of a driver, and Ty Dillon as well doesn't have a ride for next year. All right, well, that's as honest as you can get there. How come you didn't say that on the USA Network show? They didn't ask me that question. Oh. I've got some – I've got some – they've asked me some stuff, and I was like, oh, man, oof. I should not know. You've also that. had hot takes like Hendrick Motorsports is like the New York Yankees. That's true. Yeah. What's wrong with that? That's a, everybody says that. Everybody said that for years. Well, they're trying to be a hot take. Original you stuff, Jordan. Okay. Uh, you know what? I will pass along your information to them and no. you can come out and. I don't have a face for a TV. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> you do because you were on my big screen. Oh. Uh, um, so. Good. Uh, yeah, I mean, is there anything else, I guess, NASCAR-wise that you want to talk about? No. Um, uh, Xfinity race. Finish the Xfinity race. Oh Those last God. like nine laps were just phenomenal. Just excellent stuff. I feel bad, too, because like 
people were, I think like some people I could tell on Twitter didn't watch it fan wise were like, Oh, and then, and they saw like the, the clip that was going around was just like the last lap. Oh. And I wanted to like jump up and down and scream like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that whole last like sequence there with like yeah, Larson like gaining on both laps, of them. 15 and, laps or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, that was, that was really, really good. And kudos to Larson, by the way. Like he understood what, I mean, he, he could have really roughed up Sheldon Creed. There was a couple opportunities there to get physical. And like he let Creed kind of correct himself and did, you know, it's a cup driver racing Xfinity, racing guys who were racing for championships. And like he, he understood where his place was. Yeah, I mean, they still made contact, but yes. No, he did, but he also backed off, though, and let Creed correct himself. Like, a lot of guys... That Creed move where he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to stick it in the wall and ride it all the way around, and... (laughs) Yeah. It almost worked. Hey, we've seen it happen before. Darling did. Yeah. So, um, yeah, should we talk a little bit uh, about F1? That was an interesting race, because the first part of that race today was like, "Eh, okay, it feels like Max is just going to run away, and then... Like, I don't know what, like halfway through or whatever, like the, everybody kind of like started flipping strategies and everything. And I was like, oh, wait a second. This is intriguing. I, I, I thought it was a really good race. Well, first of all, it seems like so long ago now, uh, which probably is almost 24 hours by the time we wrap up this podcast. But, um, you know, what was fascinating was it, it seemed like the, the whole weekend, nobody really was like considering that the hard tire was going to be a thing. And, uh, I think it was uh, Alonzo first put on the hard tire and everybody's like, Oh, interesting. And then Norris put on the hard tire and it was like really working for him. And then it was like, okay, okay. And I think that was when Mercedes thought, okay, you know what? If we extend this medium stint long enough, we can go to the hard tire and see if it works. And it was, they, I mean, I know you, I know you think a fork is in his back, but Lewis Hamilton without that, Yuki Sonoda, uh, safety, safety car incident there. Uh, Lewis Hamilton was going to be in position to at least have the winning strategy. Max Verstappen was going to have to come back and, and pass him from a ways back. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that track looked pretty tough to pass on. I, I think that could have been a Lewis win. What do you think? Someone's got to explain to me why Mercedes did the strategy they did at the end. Like I, I, you the end, sure, yes, yeah. but I mean, before the safety car, before any of the safety cars, had uh, that gone green? What should it cut off? Well, that's a big, that's a big thing. I mean, uh, you know, AlphaTauri ends up, you know, Yuki stops on the track. They don't bring out the safety car. He goes back in. They fiddle around with his belts. Um, they send him back out. The car immediately breaks. Um, you know, I guess it's not a conspiracy. All that stuff. You know, you see his radio chatter, and they're like, "Stop in a safe place," but. I mean, that changed the race that flipped it for Red it Bull did. in Red Bull's favor. Um, now, you know, it could have swung back the other way because then Botas has his engine problem. Um, and then that was the, the strategy thing that you're you're referring to because uh, George Russell could have been uh, Lewis's wingman. And mm. uh, he says, you know, it was going to be Lewis, George, Max was going to be the restart order. Uh, Max with fresher tires and all that. But... Um, you know, Lewis, Lewis was staying out. Uh, George says, no, I don't want to No, I, I want to pit for softs. I want soft tires and Mercedes instead of saying, you know what, let's, let's, you know, we need you to defend Lewis here. They say, okay, George, come on and get you what you, what, whatever you want to do, George. It's great. Great by us. No problem. 
So then Lewis, of course, he is the number one performing Mercedes driver. So, I mean, I guess you do agree with him. Anyway, uh, that's don't lie, Jeff. So, uh, well, he wouldn't have been if they helped, it gave him a little help. Like, you know, would, would Red Bull have done that by the way? Would Red Bull have, have taken Checo away from defending Max? Absolutely not. That's the thing though. And we've said this before, like Red Bull doesn't make these mistakes. Like they are cool. It wasn't a mistake though. They're like, yeah, George, do whatever you want. But they would have looked at the big picture and they were like, no, like they control their drivers. Like they don't let the drivers control them when it comes to strategy. And question. Yeah. That's the thing. Like that's a whole different thing. But like today's a perfect example. Like, Mercedes, you're in a year with the, your season's lost. You haven't won a race. You've got an opportunity to get your guy back in victory lane. At that point, you almost have to sacrifice Russell. He's got to be the blocker. And if you're going to have any chance, that's your chance. And maybe it won't matter to Max is going to blow by them both and win that race. But at least that gives you a fighting chance. And instead, your driver says, I want tires, and he pits. And you're like, okay, yeah, cool. And then Hamilton's on an island at that point. And but Red Bull doesn't do that, though. Red Bull is very good at controlling everything. They don't make mistakes. They're, it always feels like they're like one step ahead of everybody. And we never sit there and question about, oh, and why do they do that? Why do they do that? Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Never. Well, I mean, Lewis had that last year with Botas. Um, now he gets a teammate that is more you know, competitive with him, I guess. And I mean, Mercedes... Consistently. Not, not recently, really. I mean, I'm sorry. Russell is literally 13 points away from being second in the world championship. Hamilton is 30 points behind Russell. I mean, that's much of that is based on the early season stuff. You know, this recently part of uh, the thing. It's part of, it's part of a year long championship. Like, and no, anyway, um, I think it would have been interesting if, let's say, you know, yes, Max could have won anyway, potentially. Once the, once the safety car came out, maybe Max was going to win no matter what. But had they put George out, left George there to, to sort of hold him up a little bit, um, give Lewis a couple, because Lewis's tires came back in after a couple laps once he got him warmed back up. Uh, he was on the older medium tires. Uh, no, he was on hards. He was on hards, right? hards. Yeah. Um, and... No, no, he, at that time he had pitted for mediums. Yes. He was on mediums then. You're right. You're he was, right. Yeah, he was, mediums. he was, yes. Uh, cause he had come back in. Um, anyway, so Max's new softs, uh, versus those mediums, uh, you know, Max just blew by him right away. But if he had had to, you know, sort of fend off Russell first, you know, maybe, you know, Lewis would have had time to maintain that gap and it would have been more of a race than it was. Um, maybe, maybe again, it was inevitable, but, uh, either way, it's, you know, Max is having an, an unbelievable year in the sense that he has 10 wins. The all-time record is 13. There's still seven races to go. But at the same time, like Mercedes now and Ferrari have done everything in their power to throw potential wins away in, mm-hmm. in every like imaginable way possible. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just sort of, it's like you want to give Max credit for just having an unbelievably stellar year, but it's like his closest competition is out trying to outsmart themselves every week. Yeah. I mean, they self-destruct, but again, I, I go back to this is Max doesn't make mistakes. He's not that he, you know, impatient, uh, cocky driver who would put himself in bad spots and then end up crashing out of races. This is a guy who's really good at just going out there and he's very calm, cool, 
continues to perform. And Red Bull deserves credit for capitalizing. Like they don't give their competition the opportunity to capitalize on their mistakes because they don't make mistakes. And if you're going to go against the best, you better be damn sure you're perfect. And Ferrari and Mercedes, it seems like they just can't stay out of their own way. To me, it's proof of how great Red Bull is and also an indictment of how poorly managed the other competition is and that they just keep doing this. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, is is Max going to get the wins record at this point? Like, I mean, he's got to, right? I mean, what, seven races left and he's, I mean, it's. He needs to be, win three out of seven to tie four out of seven to. There's yeah. no, I mean, he's got the speed. He's got the, the ability. He's got the team. I mean, there's, I don't see how he, he's going to win at least. I don't see how he doesn't. I'd be shocked. Now, people, uh, people on Twitter again didn't like that I brought this up in the sense that, um, like Michael Schumacher, for instance, different eras, uh, you know, there was fewer races, but um, you know, Lewis Hamilton, for instance, sure. the, e- even through all his dominant years, um, the most he ever won in a season was eleven, and you know, Max in one more week can get that, um, and that's that has nothing to do with there being twenty-two races this year. You know what I mean? So, you know, whether there was 19 races when Lewis did it or whatever, Max is going to get that in plenty of time. So it just, and I'm not comparing them to him to Lewis necessarily, but I'm, I'm trying to illustrate that that is how dominant he has been this year to already have 10 wins. And that, that's all. He, I mean, he and Lewis were splitting them last year, essentially, but that's how many wins Max had last year when he won the championship. And, you know, it's only the start of September again. So, so you think Max is the greatest driver of all time is what you're saying? I'm not, I'm not, no. It sounds Get back like to me on that. It, it Get sounds back to like me on you're that. going down that road. He's having the greatest season of all time, greatest driver of all time. Like, oh my God, what is this? Are, are you auditioning now that, now that you've been on the USA show, are you auditioning for Drive to Survive? No, I'm just, I'm just, just wanting to see what you thought. This is what I, this is what it sounds like I'm hearing from you. No, it's not what I'm saying. Maybe you can say that because <laughs> you're, you, you think Lewis sucks. So, I think Lewis is uh, Lewis has had better years. Okay, all right. He's got a zero in the win column. Like he's gotten outperformed by his first year teammate. Like I'm sorry, you can't ignore that. Well, we've uh, it's now 1:30 a.m. on the East Coast. We've been yeah. talking for over an hour. I still have got uh, a bunch of writing to do. Yes, let's uh, let's wrap things up by talking about IndyCar. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you were busy saw, at the. I saw track. nothing. Okay. So basically, um, Scott McLaughlin, um, unbelievable to me. Like we see people try the open wheel stuff coming from a non-open wheel background. Look at Jimmy Johnson, right? And it, it doesn't always go very well. In fact, it rarely does go well because open wheel racing, if you haven't done it since a youth, um, it seems like it's very, very hard to jump in and adjust to it. Um, Scott McLaughlin this year is really surprised me. Um, especially the latter half of this year. Although, he, I mean, he won the season opener too, but um, just really consistent right now, doing a really good job, um, outrunning the other championship contenders, really dominated this this Portland race. Uh, it was a little bit interesting in the sense that, um, you know, I, I think Jenna Fryer had posed this question after the race. Um, there was no team orders. Will Power is the one that's leading the championship standings, and uh, he's got a 20 point lead over both Joseph Newgarden and Scott Dixon now. And, um, 
Scott McLaughlin is like 40-something points back, so he's not really in it that much. He's still eligible, but he's not really in it. But there was no team orders for this. Now, if Will Power had, uh, who finished second, it had if they had let him through or whatever and said, okay, go ahead and pass, um, I guess he'd be up 31 points instead of 20 points um, going into the season finale next week at Laguna Seca. Uh, do you think there should have been team orders or do you think that it's good to let um, McLaughlin, you know, get the win and stay in contention himself? How do you, how do you see that? I'm pro team orders. Like you're out to win a championship and this is accepted form of it in open wheel racing. I am pro team orders. You have to give your driver. If you have an opportunity to give your driver a even better chance to win a championship and with one, especially with one race left, you have to do it. I'm, I have no problem with it. So, I'm actually on the other side for this one, and here's why. First of all, McLaughlin's not eliminated yet. And so I think to say, well, you're still championship eligible in theory. Yeah, it's a, it's a long shot, but um, I'm going to make I'm gonna make you pull over, give up a win, and take yourself out of championship running, essentially. Um, that's not, you know, I, that would, I would have a hard time with that. Number two, your other team, you know, card, Joseph Newgarden, He's 20 points back now. And so his lead, you know, you're taking one car and you're favoring him over another car, right? Um, so I think just to keep the team chemistry intact and just say, hey, we're trying to keep it fair here, I think it's good to let them race it out the way they did. Um, and 20 points. I, th- I think Will Power's lead going into today was only three points. So 20 points going into the season finale, I mean, if you can't hold on to the lead, I mean, you, you have a chance to clinch. You control your own destiny is what I'm saying. You know, um, so that's all you can really ask for, right? So it, it, you don't, you shouldn't need to help somebody that much that they, they have to do that. So that, that's where I come down on that personally, but yeah, be interesting though. I mean, uh, you would think willpower is going to go ahead and do it, but Laguna Seca, fascinating track there. And, uh, Scott Dixon, you can never count him out. New gardens had a great year. So uh, it's fascinating. Definitely to me three that, three powerhouse type type drivers going for it there. Yeah, and to me, it's the interesting thing is Will Power has only won one series championship. Like you think of, he's been dominant for so many years, for a long, long time. Won a bunch of races, you know, poles. It's but he's had a lot of titles that got away, and this would be the second, only the second one, and that to me is remarkable. Yeah. How you feeling now? Are you uh, are you starting to fade there as it's as the <laughs> sunrise approaches or whatever? I will be getting to? some coffee when this is uh, over with. I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to write. I think you should go sleep and write in the morning because tomorrow is Labor Day and you can labor. No, all day. see that doesn't work because I get up and it's like I've got to travel back home and I do things that just if I do that everything gets pushed off and I don't want to push things off. I want to have fresh content on theathletic.com. Sometime tomorrow morning. Well, I mean, you just did. You just pulled an all-nighter for North Wilkesboro <laughs> when you a... went that, and then went straight to Media Day. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm, I'm a little bit. Uh. I, I feel like we all need to have an intervention here with Jordan and tell him that he needs sleep. No. You can't. You're not going to make it through the playoffs if you keep pulling all-nighters several times a week. No. Sleep's over. And my mom used to tell me growing up, sleep is for the week. Okay. Well, let me tell you something. We're carpooling for Bristol night race. And I will not be pulling an all nighter after the podcast. No, to write speaking of which, from Bristol. Yeah. Um, Sunday after Bristol, uh, F one race. I believe we were going to be watching that together. 
Well, I'm sure we'll be at a hotel somewhere and you're not going to make eggs. I'm not making so. eggs, but we're going to go out for breakfast. We want to race there or something. We are? Yeah, we should go out for like uh, mimosas and, you know, some Bloody Marys. Mimosas? Or something. We can't drink on the job. Well, technically not. Well, I don't know if we're really kind of working. I don't know. I mean, are we are working? Are we going to do a podcast? I don't know. That's a good question. I, yeah. I mean, it right, could be well, fun, though. Why can't you drink on a podcast? We have two weeks to come up with that. We have two weeks to figure that out. Uh, anyway... Great job there. Um, great job this week with all the coverage, carrying the load. And, no, uh, no, no. I'm just trying to follow your footsteps, my friend. Okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, fortunately, uh, I get to take the reins and go to Kansas next week so I can jump in on the fun here. And then, we'll, as you, as we just said, we'll both be at Bristol. So I can't wait for Bristol. Um, yeah, it's going to be I – mean, like, I mean, this, this playoffs is already delivering. I mean, you know it's going to be exciting and unpredictable, but – uh, this was quite a race to start it. Can't and, wait. Um, it's going to be a slot. Yeah, this, this has just been, man, this year. We should play wait. a game. We should, we maybe this is a conversation for next week's podcast, but we, we should make like a bet of like how many like post race skirmishes are there at Bristol? Well, then you'll, you know, you'll, re- you'll reverse jinx it and there'll be like zero and it won't be fun, you know? Right. We'll like, we'll like jinx ourselves into like a boring Bristol race, which is possible, by the way, with this car how it's performed on short tracks. It might not, you know, we might not be in for the fireworks, what we're used you to. You might so. be right. I, to me, I, I, you're right. And like, it is a concern because we've seen it race on short tracks and that is legit. I, the part of me though, and maybe this is the, my optimism, writing my common sense is that the desperation and the hard, how hard it will be to pass guys are just going to be slamming into each other. Like I can't pass. I'm just going to spin you. So, um, one last thing before we go here, um, you know, we often get a lot of people who stay insist that they say that they stay up late to wait for this yeah. podcast to drop. I heard a couple truckers today. They're telling me like, Hey man, I got like an early shift and I'd love to hear this thing on Monday morning. Okay. So again, right now it's one thirty nine AM. I've still got to, uh, edit this entire podcast post entire. So it's not going to get posted till well after, well after, 2 a.m. Eastern time. The first person to tweet both me and Jordan and say that you listen to the podcast and you're responding to this part of the podcast right here, uh, we will read your name on next week's podcast as a special thank you. So uh, whoever is actually waiting up for this in the middle of the night, you deserve special credit. Uh, for getting to this part. So tweet me and Jordan, Jeff underscore Gluck and Jordan underscore Bianchi. And uh, let us know that you heard this in the middle of the night. And uh, we'll read, we'll read your name and the timestamp for when you sent this. If anybody actually does, if nobody actually re- listens to this in the morning, then we'll just skip this. But um, <laughs> anyway, just be an interesting experiment. So uh, listen though, we appreciate whenever you hear this, we appreciate the time uh, whenever you decide to listen to this. Maybe it's Tuesday when you're back at work. Maybe it's Monday and you're enjoying a nice Labor Day day off. Um, thanks for everybody for listening. And we will talk to you next time on The Terry.